Here's the point. Some things are better together. There's some things in life that are only good with other people. My name is Josh. I'm one of the ministers here. If you're a guest, welcome. This is one of those things we think is better together, is doing life together as a body of believers, finding ways to encourage and propel one another towards the goal for which we all signed up on that day where we did what Emma did. By the way, wasn't that a wonderful moment this morning where Emma came into relationship with Jesus? If you're a guest, welcome. We are in a series called Circles Are Greater Than Rows. Now, let, let me explain that real quick, and then we're going to dive in. Here's the simple point. We gather weekly and in large groups often for the purpose of information dissemination. And to gather this many people in one space requires that we organize in rows. Rows are good for some things, but rows are not good for everything. Rows are good for coming and receiving, but circles are better for giving, for support, for participation, for growth. And so that's what we've been looking at these few weeks together. And today I want to give you one simple idea. And we're going to blow it out with three points, but here's the simple idea that every relationship is built by one of two things. Every relationship is built either by default or design. Now, default says it just happened. It's the default setting. It's the default way of thinking. It's not thinking. It's just, it just happened. For instance, when you think about default relationships, they tend to form based on circumstance or convenience. The circumstance of where I find myself or the convenience of who is it easy to be around. That is default relationship. But design relationships are made to happen, meaning you think about them. You process, you consider, they don't just happen. Great relationships that are life-giving, that lead you towards a common goal, do not happen by accident. They are designed. Now, I told you there are three points. If you want to jot these three down, every circle. Well, let's do this first. Let's just talk for a second here. Show of hands, how many of you, raise your hand real quick, how many of you are a part of any of these circles? So how many of you are a part of a family circle? Hands? Very good. Now, for some of us, our family circle was designed. If you are a mom or a dad, hopefully you designed your circle. It was a plan. Some of you are going, no, it wasn't a plan. Johnny just happened. (laughs) If you're Johnny, I apologize. That's not the point, okay? For others, it was designed. For some, it was default. What about this one? Raise your hand if you are or if you are currently a part of a school circle. You have School friends, maybe you're in school or you are a teacher or an administrator, so school circle. How many of us have a co-worker circle? Any of us? How many of us would like to trade in our co-worker? No, I'm not doing that. Okay. How many of you would like to trade in? So we have co-worker circles. Some of them are by default, meaning you are at a job with other people. You didn't choose them, but That's who you have. For others, you designed it. You created a team around you. By the way, I'm so grateful to be around and in a team here at the Clear Creek Church of great men and women. This was a designed team, and I'm so grateful for it. Let me give you one more. How many of us are maybe in sports or hobby circles? Any of you play a sport or coach a sport 
or maybe you're a part of a rec league or a service group or a civic committee. These are all different circles, and they can be default or designed. So here's the question. How do you go from a default to a defined circle, a designed circle, an intentional circle? In other words, how do you get to have a designer circle? Now, I told you there are three points. Here they are. I'm going to throw them up real fast, then I'm going to walk us through a text, draw out two application points. We're going to call it a day. Sound good? How's that for an outline? Three points here. Passage, two points. Adios. That's Spanish for get out. Okay? Every circle has three things. A purpose. Everyone say this with me. A purpose. A process. And number three, what? Potential. A purpose, a process, and an amount of potential. Every circle has a purpose, a process, and a certain amount of potential. Whether it's default or design, there's a purpose, a process, and a certain amount of potential. And the question that I want every one of you to go away considering and taking an action step toward is simply this. How do I move from default circles to design circles? And I want us to look at a passage of Scripture from the Bible about how one man created the perfect designer circle. And this wasn't just any man. This was no ordinary man. This was the God-man, Jesus Christ. How did he create and craft a designer circle? I want to show you from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 6, beginning in verse 12. The scriptures will be on screen if you want to follow along there or in your own Bibles. This is what it says. One of those days, Jesus went out to a mountain to pray and spent the night praying to God. When morning came, he called his disciples to him and chose 12 of them whom he also... Now, notice this word, designated, but notice this. He also design-ated, meaning intentional, thoughtful, practically... He designated them apostles, and these were the apostles. There are 12 of them. Simon, whom he named Peter, his brother Andrew, James, John, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, James, the son of Alphaeus, Simon, who is called the Zealot, Judas, son of James, and Judas Iscariot, who became a traitor. This is Jesus' inner circle And believe it or not, he follows the exact same three things. In Jesus' circle, there is a purpose, there is a process, and there is a certain amount of potential. And in the circles that you craft, whether they are by default or design, there will be a common purpose, process, and potential. And I want to invite you to consider how to step from default groups to designer groups. And we're going to give you some tangible ways to do that this morning. I hope this is an incredibly practical talk for the next about 10 to 15 minutes. So here we go. Let's just kind of move quickly through this. When Jesus was building his ministry, he had 33 years roughly from birth to death and resurrection to fulfill the purpose for which God put him on earth. And it was a big purpose. It was to reconcile all of humanity by dying for us. Here's the bottom line. You're a sinner, I'm a sinner. By the way, just real quick, turn to your neighbor and say, good morning. Go ahead, turn to your neighbor, say good morning. And then say, you are a sinner. Go ahead, tell the person next to you. 
And it, you do not have to explain why they are a sinner, okay? Now, say, but guess what? I'm a sinner too. Go ahead, tell your neighbors. Here's the point. Jesus Christ's mission was to save sinners, which means his mission was for you. Isn't that good news? Cricket, cricket. Okay, let's try this again. Isn't that good news that he came to save you? It is good news. If you can't get excited about that, ooh, okay. But that's why he came. And he was going to go to a Roman cross, die on the cross, die for your sins and my sins to bring us back into relationship with him. This was a cosmic mission that had been going on and in the works for thousands and thousands and thousands of years. You say, well, Josh, how old is the earth? I'm not talking about the earth. I'm saying before time began, God had this plan. So when Jesus shows up, he has a short period of time. How's he going to do it? Well, first thing he does is he says, I need to gather my inner circle. And he has a purpose, a process, and there's a potential. And I just want you to see this. Notice, when, G- when morning came, this is verse 13, I want you to see the purpose of Jesus' circle. When morning came, he, notice this, called his disciples to him and chose 12 of them. 12 of whom? 12 of his disciples. What does this tell us about the purpose? Let me explain something here. Jesus knew his personal purpose. And because he knew his personal purpose, which was to fulfill God's plan in his life, since he knew his purpose, he designed his circle around his own purpose. He went to those who shared his purpose. A disciple in the ancient world was simply someone who followed a rabbi, a teacher, from place to place, learning that rabbi's way of living, teaching, loving, all of those things, so that as a disciple, one may grow up and become like the teacher, become the rabbi. He had gathered many, many people who were disciples, who were following him to learn his way, and it was from those who had already stepped across the line and said, we follow you. It was within that group that he says, now I will gather my circle. He picked his circle, the closest group that he had, he picked it from those who held the same purpose that he had. Church, if you want a designer circle, pick your inner circle from people who hold the same purpose that you hold. Look for those who have the same purpose. You say, Josh, what is, what is my purpose? What is the point to all of this? We'll simply put, your purpose is God's plan. Your purpose is God's plan. You say, well, how do I know that's my purpose? Because if that's Jesus' purpose and you are his follower, Becoming like Jesus means that you follow God's plan. This is your purpose for life. It's not to make a lot of money. Although if you do, praise God. It's not to be known very well by many people. But if you are well known, praise God. Your purpose is to fulfill God's plan in your life. Which is to love God, love people, and make disciples. That's it. And Jesus knew where to begin. Uh, some of you say, well, well, how do I do this? It's very simple. It's just like going fishing. H- how many of you know how to fish? Anyone in here, fishermen, fisherwomen, fisher people, not Fisher Price, anyone? I don't know much about fishing. 
I know that you've got like this long stick thing, okay? And you've got like this rope that goes down in the water and some sort of metal thing that somehow antagonizes fish and somehow snags them. Yeah, okay, I'm not a fisherman. But here's what I know. You don't need to know any of those things to get the point. Here's all you need to know. You do not go fishing for deep water fish in your backyard pond. And you don't go to the ocean looking for a fresh water fish. In other words, where you fish determines the kind of fish you will get. Jesus knew that if he wanted a certain kind of inner circle, he had to fish in places with people who held his purpose. Listen to me very closely here. The reason some of you look around and have influences in your life that are not pushing you towards God, but away from God is because you went fishing in the wrong place for friends. Some of you have been in relationships and you keep asking yourself this question, why do Why is it that this person does not draw me closer to God? Why does this person not continue to bless me in ways that help me focus on God? And the reason is you are fishing in the wrong place. You simply got the fish from the place you were fishing. Let me me just say something to those of you who are dating, young people, if you're not dating. And I know for a lot of you parents, you're going, no, no, my kid don't date. Listen, I'm with you. My kids, they're allowed to date when they're about 73 years old. Now, I'm not a stickler to that. Stephen can start dating when he's 71. Emma, maybe 80. We're not sure yet. We're still negotiating. But when that day comes, hear me now, where you fish will determine who you catch. Parents, any of you agree on that one? Where you fish is where you, what you'll catch. Your inner circle is dependent on where you fish. Jesus began by going to the people who held his same purpose. If you want designer circles, you start by fishing in the same place with people who have the same purpose. Here's the second one. Are you ready? Jesus, because he knew his purpose, he had a very particular process. Look at what it says here in verse 12. One of those days, notice this now, Jesus went up to a mountainside to pray. And notice this, next slide. And he spent the night praying to God. Jesus, before he gathered his group, before he gathered his circle, he spent the night praying to God. Quick question. Don't raise your hand on this one. When was the last time you spent all night praying to God for anything? When was the last night that something was so important that you went before God? And okay, let's not even say all night. When was the last time something was so important that you just went to God in prayer? Lord, give me wisdom to know what to do. God, give me insight into who to talk to. Father, show me what you're doing and where to go so I can go where you're going and do what you're doing and be who you've called me to be. When was the last time? I love this, that Jesus' mission was so big that as he gathered his people, he left nothing to chance because some things in life are too important to leave to chance. Let me give you a couple examples. Students, let me come back to you. Your final exam is too important to leave up to chance. How many of you are graduates of the fifth grade for the 10th time because you left your final up to chance? How many of us, because we did not prepare, ended up dealing with the consequences? Life, some things in life are too important to leave up to chance. How about this one? Parents or anyone who's got a job, are your taxes worth leaving up to chance? 
Not if you don't want Uncle Sam visiting you. You prepare, you plan, you go through it, you get your stuff together because some things in life are too important to leave up to chance. Your inner circle is too important to leave up to chance. And so Jesus doesn't go, he doesn't consult a wise person. He goes to the Father in heaven and says, my mission is so big, these years are so few, who do you want me to draw? And he spent all night praying. Here's the process that Jesus followed. Are you ready? Jesus prayed. Jesus prayed. The process of finding your inner circle. Let me just be real frank with you. As you begin praying, you say, well, is that all you do? No, but that is where you start and you never stop. Long before I met Lindsay, before she had the great pleasure of meeting me, not really, I prayed for my wife from a very young age. In fact, I, from a very young age, started writing notes to my wife. I then lost the shoebox full of all those notes. And so someone else has that box of notes to Lindsay. I don't know who, but they love them. So here's the deal. Long before I met Lindsay, I prayed for her. Long before I made certain friends, I asked God for certain friends. And long before certain friends came into my life, my parents were praying for my friends. Parents, when was the last time you prayed for God to put the right friends into your children's lives? How many of you know that the friends you have determine the direction of your life? That the inner circle, those who have your ear, those who know you best, will determine the trajectory of your life in so many ways. And I've been thinking a lot about it this week, how those people who are closest to me have the greatest ability to inform and transform the way I think, feel, and behave. How many of you have been around people who the more you're with them, the more positive you become because they are just positive people? And then how many of us would say there are people that when you're around them, because of their negativity, you just kind of find that that spills out of you as well. Who you're around determines what you become. And so Jesus goes to God. And here's why. You say, why go to God? Because two things. Number one, God knows you best and wants the best for you. And number two, he knows everyone else in the world, which means He can set up the first date between you and your circle of friends. You go to him in prayer. The purpose is God's plan. The process is prayer. And you say, what is the potential? What is the potential with this? Guess what? You'll have to come back next week for that part, okay? But here's what I want to do this morning. Because for some of us, we don't need to get into the potential. We simply need to ask the question, what is God's plan? So I want you to consider a few questions this morning. Maybe you just want to jot these down or just think about them. Here's the first one. Of all the circles in your life, if you had to put a one word or one sentence purpose to each sentence, what would it be? And if you can't give a purpose statement to your family then I would suggest you may be a default circle in the way you're living. You need to know the purpose of your family. Is the purpose of your family to have lots of nice things? Is it to send your kids to a particular place or school? Is it to have them involved in certain sports or activities? 
Is that the purpose of your family? If it is, you put that down there. Be proud about the decision that you're making. But if you see that and say, boy, I think there's something more than that my boy be in sports, my girl be in sports, that this happened. If you think your family is worth more than those things, then you design the purpose and you write it down. And then the second question I would ask you to consider is, have you asked God to help you in designing that circle? What is the purpose of each of the circles in your life? Your family, your closest friendships here at church. There's this phrase we use here at Clear Creek. We call it spiritual friendships. Everybody needs spiritual friendships. And you want to know the difference between a spiritual friendship and just a typical friendship? Here it is. You both share the common purpose of fulfilling God's plan. Same as what we've talked about. You need people that you can walk alongside through life so that as you go, they go with you. As you learn, they learn with you. As you experience difficulties, they experience it with you. And so as the writer of Ecclesiastes says, it's better when there are two people instead of just one. So if one falls down, the other can pick them up. That you can do things together. What is the purpose of your circles? What is the process that you're going about? Is it a default process? You're just together or are you praying for those people? In fact, we're going to do that here in just a moment. Some of you right now are living the lives you're living because of the prayers that people prayed for you years ago. I think about people in my life who prayed for me in certain ways at times I never knew. There's a moment that I remember distinctly. And the reason I do is because it's really, there are a handful of these moments. I don't know if if you're like me, sometimes you'll have a picture in your mind of one thing that happened, but it's there because it happened so many times, you just kind of remember it. And the the memory, the image I have in my mind was early in the morning growing up when I was just a little dude. Some of you are going, you're still a little dude. Okay, fine, fine. (laughs) Early in the morning, I'd get up and I'd, I'd go downstairs and While it's still dark outside, I remember catching my mom, reading her Bible, or with her Bible open on her lap and her head down. And I could remember there being times where she did not simply pray quietly, but I overheard her prayers, and I would hear her praying to God Almighty for me by name. And she would pray things like, oh, Father, give him courage to speak about you to others. Dear God, protect him from evil. And when he falls, let others catch him fast so he doesn't repeat the same mistake. The prayers of the past given by other people have shaped who I am today. My question is the prayers you're praying right now Who are they shaping? Who are you praying for so that the circle that you are developing will be all God has meant for it to be? And listen, if you don't have a circle this morning, before you leave, you go out to the Next Step booth here. Evan Aldridge, our community discipleship minister, will be out there and he'd love to get you connected in one of our circles. But if you're already in a circle, here's what I'm going to invite you to do to pray for those in your circle. And you say, yeah, but I don't have a perfect circle. Did did you even pay attention to the names on Jesus' circle list? You have Peter, the denier. You have have, uh, Thomas, the skeptic. You have Judas, 
the betrayer. You do not need perfect people to have a perfect circle. You simply need people who are perfect for your circle. And that is defined by a common purpose and people who've prayed for it.